Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. Hello to you from one voting precinct here in Metro Atlanta. This is day one of early voting here in the state of Georgia. But let me walk you through and just kind of show you all of the people who are waiting in line to cast their ballots. All of these people have been waiting out here. In fact, I'll circle back around. You can see the line ends somewhere back there. That's the end of the line to cast a ballot here at this precinct. But everybody that I've talked to has that same amount of determination. I talked to some who've been waiting more than four hours to cast their ballot, but they all say they're not leaving until the job is done. So coming up tonight on NBC Nightly News, we're taking a look at early voting, not just here in Georgia, but around the country, and why so many officials are urging people to cast their ballot before November 3rd. On this edition of The Politocrat, Operation land slide. 21 voting days remain. This episode on early voting, the Supreme Court confirmation hearing of Amy Coney Barrett, the judge, and the Trump record. Four years of hell. It's all coming up next. This year's election is going to be a little different. Instead of one election day, we now have a voting season. That special time of year when polls can open weeks before election day. When your mailbox can become a voting booth. When how you vote is just as important as who you vote for. How, when, and where to cast your ballot depends on your state. Tis the season to be prepared. This year, plan your vote. Welcome back. I hope that you are having a good day and I hope that this day is seeing you well. The mental state of this country is certainly upside down. We have been battered psychologically and my head has been scrambled. I don't know about you. But my head has been absolutely scrambled. Now, I think I'm in good health. I know I'm in good health. I get checkups and this and that and the other. Um, But what about mental health? You know, this is something we really need to talk about. Um, I feel, you know, mentally sound and in a frame of mind that's mentally strong. But pandemics will do things to people. You know, I find myself forgetting a whole heck of a lot more things now than I did about 10 months ago. And granted, you know, (laughs) I'm getting older like everyone is, but I do think that over these last 10, close to 10 months, I have, I find myself not remembering a lot of things. As, as, I mean, and I like to pride myself on having a good memory, and I pride myself on that. I like to think that I have a darn good memory, and I think I still do, but I have, I guess, had what the doctors and scientists might call COVID brain, 
over these last few months. I mean, things that I thought happened last week happened several weeks before that, you know, or they happened, you know, just last night, but I thought they happened seven weeks ago or the days are crazy. You know, you think that something happened just three days ago, but it happened today or whatever it might be. I mean, all the days bleed into one, you know, I can't remember or distinguish, you know, last Friday from the previous Wednesday. It's things like that. I mean, I I call that COVID brain. I honestly do, because what on earth else could it be? I, I take all the precautions. I, you know, I wear gloves, mask, uh, change clothing, you know, you name it, clean, wipe down things, you know, it's an, it's an OCD operation here, but still, you know, um, I, I tend to not remember what day is which now, and I'm sure that I'm not alone with that. I, I bet that that you have also had this happen to you too. I I, I certainly believe uh, and would not be surprised if your answer is yes to that. But here we are with 21 voting days remaining until the final day of voting on November the 3rd. And... Just a reminder before getting a little deeper into today's episode. If you have not already voted early, please do so. Again, by the time we get to the end of this week, over 40 states, 4-0, will have already begun to vote. And that is momentous. Today, for example, there are three states that begin their early in-person voting. October the 13th, that's today, Tuesday, sees Kentucky, Texas, and Utah all starting early in-person voting today. So if you are in the state of Kentucky, the bluegrass state, if you are in Texas, the Lone Star state, or if you are in Utah, then I've forgotten what their state name is. Oh dear, see, COVID brain. (laughs) If you are in one of those three states, or if you know someone in one of those states, Please vote early and please tell them vote early and do so today in person if you can. Please do so. I know this is a pandemic and there are some rates that are rising in a number of states across the country. Actually, Texas is one of the states lately, from what I am learning, that has held steady on COVID infections. California is another, 
as is New York State by and large, although New York City is seeing some increases. But if you can vote in person today in Kentucky, Texas, or Utah, please do so. Please do so. This is the first day of in-person voting there in those three states. And I really, really want you, if you're living in one of those states or if you know someone in those states, to turn out today. Vote early, please. This is really important. And... This is really what Operation Landslide is all about. As you heard there from Blaine Alexander, she of NBC News, doing a preview of something that I'm going to be playing here in a few minutes. Uh, voice, you know, her report on early voting and the fact that there are long lines in Georgia which began its in-person voting yesterday. And the fact that there are long lines all over this country. You know, we have now had 10 million people already vote here in the United States of America. 10 million people. Have you voted yet? Are you one of those voters? It really is imperative that you join right now. Get on one of those lines. But before you do, make sure you are registered. Please make sure that you're registered. There is no two ways about it. Today is a very important day on that front as well. Because today, October the 13th, Tuesday, October the 13th, is the last day to register to vote in the following states and in District of Columbia. Maine, Maryland, Minnesota, New Jersey, Oregon, Virginia, and West Virginia. If you are in one of those states, or if you are in the District of Columbia, or if you know someone in one of those states or in the District of Columbia, please text them right now, literally right now. If you're listening to this on October 13th or any day, but particularly the earlier, the better, please text them, please call them, remind them that, well, especially today, it's got to be October the 13th because it's the last day to register to vote. <laughs> October the 13th, today is the last day to register to vote. If you are in D.C. or Maine or Maryland or Minnesota or New Jersey or Oregon or Virginia or West Virginia. If you are in one of those states or in D.C., please register to vote right now. Today. Today. I cannot stress this enough. This is the last day to register to vote in those places. And if you yourself lives in one of those states or in D.C., make sure you register to vote. Do it right now, because after today, October 13th, 2020, you cannot register to vote anymore in those places for the November general election on the 3rd of November. 
So make sure that you register today if you have not. Today is the last day to do so if you live in those places that I have just called out. Remember, I do have a guide on my Twitter page at the popcorn R-E-E-L. It is a pinned tweet. It has a comprehensive guide to every single state with their secretaries of state and links to those offices, links to voter registration, links to becoming a poll worker, links to tracking your ballot, links to applying for an absentee ballot. I mean, everything you need is on that voting guide that I have pinned to my Twitter page at the popcorn R-E-E-L. And that includes links for all the places that I've just mentioned in terms of registering to vote, checking your registration. So this is a very important day, October 13th, not only for those three states that begin their in-person early voting today, Kentucky, Texas, Utah, but also to those states, more importantly, whose deadline to register to vote is today. This is the last day. I'll repeat this one more time. If you live in the District of Columbia or in Maine, Maryland, Minnesota, New Jersey, Oregon, Virginia, or West Virginia, today, October 13th, Tuesday, is the last day to register to vote for this general election. You will be kicking yourself if you wake up tomorrow, October 14th, and you haven't registered, it's too late for you. Believe me, it will be too late. So you've got to do this right now. I'll be back in a moment with a report from NBC News and Blaine Alexander about voting early and the overwhelming response on day one in Georgia. That's coming up right after this. Twenty-one days, twenty-one days of voting left in this election season, and I hope you've already voted. I'm Omar Moore, and of course, you know what I've been talking a lot about. Lately on the Politocrat Daily Podcast, and it's early voting, the importance of voting early. You can't get away from it. I think the ads are everywhere, urging people to plan their vote, to vote early. You've heard some of these ads, these very same ads on this very podcast. And by the way, I thank you for listening. And I also want you to do something for me, if you could, please. Make sure you vote early. And make sure you pop by the Politocrat online store. It has a range of colorful vote early t-shirts designed by yours truly in different colors with more colors to come. So send a colorful and important message to vote early. A range of t-shirts, different colors and for women, men, unit, unisex. These t-shirts are available right now at the Politocrat online store in different colors. Seven at the moment, seven different colors and more to come and affordable prices as well and in all different kinds of sizes 
So if you want to send the message to vote early and every time, believe me, when I wear this shirt, I always get people coming up to me or remarking about the shirt or about their agreement that it is important to vote early. It never fails. Every time I wear these shirts, I always get some kind of response. And even if I don't, I know that people who see the shirt get to thinking, vote early. The seed has been planted. And it is so important now more than ever before in this very highly consequential election. Elections really do have consequences. So make sure you vote early and make sure you stop by the Politocrat online t-shirt store and shop the Vote Early t-shirt color collection exclusively from yours truly at the Politocrat at the-politocrat.my shopify.com thank you welcome back before i get to the report by blaine alexander of nbc news i want to issue a correction and an apology i apologize actually i have given you information about Maine that's not entirely accurate, it turns out. I did some research on this actually in the break, and Maine actually has two things going on in terms of deadlines. Today, October 13th, is the deadline for the mail-in voter registration. So if you are registering to vote by mail, Today was the day that that had to be received by Maine's County Board of Elections office, whichever that one would be applicable to you. Today was the deadline for that mail-in registration to be received. So I do want to offer that correction and an apology. I should also add that Maine has voter registration up until and through October, November the 3rd. So you can actually register to vote in person in Maine as late as November 3rd. So that's my correction. I apologize for misleading anybody or everybody. Um, I am someone I will, if I make a mistake, I will apologize and offer a correction and make sure that the information is accurate. All the information I'm getting is from these Board of Elections sites. I did not see anywhere on the site for Maine where there was an actual deadline date, except for this October 13th date, which it turns out is a deadline date, but it is the deadline for Maine to receive a registration by mail application. So if you are someone who is registering to vote and you sent in that registration application by mail, today is the deadline for the offices of the Secretary of State or your local County Board of Elections in Maine to receive that. The last day they can receive it is today. But once again, fear not. If you have not yet registered to vote in mail in Maine, you can do so in person right now 
right through election day, November the 3rd, the final day of this voting season in election season. So I want to make that very clear. The other thing I want to make clear and apologize for is I left off two states. Oh, my goodness me. I left off two states whose deadlines are also today for registering to vote. So if you live in Kansas or in Louisiana, today, October 13th, is your deadline. Make sure that you register to vote today, Kansas, if you haven't already done so. Make sure you register to vote today, Louisiana, if you haven't already done so. Today, October the 13th, is the last day to register to vote in Kansas and also in Louisiana. In addition to the States and Washington, D.C. that I read out earlier on this episode. Now, listen to this report from Blaine Alexander of NBC News. This was from yesterday, October the 12th, on the first day of early in-person voting in Georgia. In some parts of Georgia, it already looks like election day. How long have you guys been out here so far? About four, four hours. Thousands waiting to cast their ballots. It could have rain. It could have snowed. I would not care. You're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. One Metro Atlanta polling site reporting waits of up to seven hours. An isolated issue, but reminiscent of widespread problems during the state's June primary. I'm not leaving. You're not leaving. I'm done. Some of the biggest problems in areas with higher black populations. Since then, Fulton County has rolled out a laundry list of fixes. More money, more poll workers, and more voting locations, including mobile precincts and mega sites like this NBA stadium turned early voting location. But getting it right, no easy task, with record turnout expected on top of a pandemic. Why is early voting so crucial this year? What we're trying to do is drive 80% of the voters to vote before Election Day. Some combination of early voting and absentee by mail in order to reduce the burden on Election Day locations. And experts say early voting is crucial for troubleshooting. If there's a really long line, if a machine breaks down, if they run out of emergency paper ballots, a voter has an option of coming back later to try and deal with it. Especially helpful for minority voters. One study shows in 2018, the average wait time in precincts that are almost entirely minority was six times longer than in predominantly white precincts. Also making the case for early voting, Jill Biden. This is it, Georgia. There are no do-overs. Trying to get out the vote well before November 3rd. Blaine Alexander, NBC News, Atlanta. And special thanks to Blaine Alexander of NBC News for that report. And really a good report. Because what she's saying there and what she's reporting on is what is happening all over this country. And that is early voter turnout is overwhelming. And this is what I have been saying that has to happen in order for there to be a landslide victory, in order for there to be a change in the White House, a change in the State House, a change in the United States Senate, a consolidation of the U.S. House, 
a change in the state legislatures, a change in your local races. What you are seeing right now and what you heard in that report, and I'll be playing some more audio coming up, is what I have called Operation Landslide. This is how Operation Landslide has to happen. And as I have said before on this podcast, if we vote early and vote early in droves, this election is going to be a landslide for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party up and down the ballot. This will happen. I guarantee you that. If we have unprecedented voter turnout, if we have unprecedented early voter turnout, that's the key. Early voter turnout is the key. And if we have that, turnout that we have never ever seen before in the history of this country we will have on November 3rd a landslide victory for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris there will be no worry about well this could be decided by the Supreme Court or well there's going to be so much unrest Or, well, we're not going to know the result for a week or maybe two or even more. Or, well, oh my goodness me, we're going to be on our pins and needles on our butts with our nails bitten down to the nub, worrying on the night of November 3rd that we could be in for a rocky ride here. I mean, we could be in for a Bush v. Gore situation. Yeah, you know, look, I've said in the past that it is possible that it may take up to a week before we know who's won. And that's still a possibility. However, right now, roughly, and I said this earlier, roughly 10 million people have already voted in this country. That is an historic number. Never before in the history of the United States of America have this many people voted early. It's never happened before. Never, ever, ever. And when I voted here in San Francisco last week at the very start of early voting here in California... I had the presence of mind to ask one of the election employees who was at the voting station. And I asked her, how many people have come in here? And she said, hundreds. And she said, that does not include all of the mail-in ballots that have been deposited and dropped off with us. 
San Francisco has a population of roughly 900,000 people, just over 900,000 people. And on the first day of early voting here in California and in the city of San Francisco, this particular employee tells me, the Board of Elections employee in San Francisco tells me that hundreds of ballots have been received and people have been voting in person and with their absentee ballots. On day number one, that tells you something. And that is the kind of thing. And granted, it's one city in one state. But that is the kind of thing that genuflects toward something big happening. And... I caution people not to get too happy because that doesn't mean that every single person who has voted of these 10 million is, has already voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democrats down the ballot. That is not what that means. But what it does portend is that when there is heavy voter turnout, it usually means good things for the Democratic candidates up and down ballot. Because Republicans know this and they know this well. When there is a high voter turnout, it typically favors Democrats. When there is a low voter turnout, it typically favors Republicans. So far during this election season, in the early voting portion of it, which has now gone on for five weeks plus, we have seen long in-person voting lines. In Georgia, as you just heard from Blaine Alexander of NBC News, and I'll put a link to that report and to that broadcast from yesterday, October 12th, we have seen long lines in Texas, which begins its in-person voting today, but The drop-off of ballots has been incredible because Governor Abbott, the Republican governor of Texas, has now reaffirmed through the courts that you can only drop off your ballot in one place per county. So if you're living in Harris County, which is one of the most heavily populated counties, over four and a half million people, I believe, in Harris County, in Texas, which includes Houston, you can only drop your ballot off in one location. There's only one drop-off box, which leads to these long, long lines of people in their cars waiting, just waiting to drop off their mail-in ballot at the drop box. That's been going on for at least a week or so. In Texas, and it will continue now that the current court decision, which has been reaffirmed after an appeal of it that was successful, but now again it's been reaffirmed in the favor of the Republican governor, so he can limit the number of places that you in Texas can drop off your absentee ballot. 
Make sure, by the way, everybody, not just in Texas, but everywhere, if you are voting absentee, voting by mail, same thing, that you carefully fill out your ballot, you sign it, you fill out your address, whatever that they're asking you to do, follow the rules of your state. And in Pennsylvania in particular and other places, make sure you place your ballot inside the proper envelope and then place that envelope inside the larger envelope or the envelope that has the stamp on it or the mail mailing that you're going to be applying, the postage that you're going to apply. So the outside envelope should have your smaller envelope inside it and inside that smaller envelope should be your ballot. I know it can be confusing and tedious, but unfortunately in Pennsylvania, the Trump lawyers were successful in making sure that there are no naked ballots. Any naked ballot gets thrown out in Pennsylvania and in other states as well, but especially Pennsylvania. But all of this is to say, all these things are to say this, is that what you're seeing now in Georgia with these long lines, what you're seeing in Texas with the long lines waiting to drop off the ballots, what you are seeing in Virginia, what you saw in North Carolina, what you saw in Illinois, in rural and urban Illinois, what you're seeing in Ohio, what you're seeing in Indiana, all of these long lines of people just waiting to vote. You heard the lady in the report by Blaine Alexander. Everybody just wants to vote. They're voting like their lives depend on it. And that is the message that the late, great John Lewis said to us just before he passed away. That is the message that has been echoed by a lot of Democrats. Some of Joe Biden's surrogates have said the same thing. I'm not sure if Joe Biden himself has. But many people on the Democratic side, on the progressive side, are saying this. And you've got voters doing that. And they have literally done that in all of these places that I've mentioned and a lot more that you haven't heard about on your evening news. This is what Operation Landslide looks like. And with exactly 21 days of voting remaining, if you have not jumped on the Operation Landslide train, do so right now. Get out there and vote. By the end of this week, at least 40 states, if not already 40 states, will have already started to early vote. And if you continue to do what we have been seeing all over this country, if you continue to stand in these long lines, if you continue to see this, if you urge your fellow friends, your family members, whomever, to get out there and early vote, whether it's by mail and drop it off at a drop box, or drop it off even better in person at your county board of elections office, or drop it off at city hall, if it's permissible. Or if you're going to stand in the line, and you see these lines, you need to keep doing this. You need to make sure that your friends are willing to stand in line for eight hours, ten hours. I mean, better do it now than on the night, the last night of the election. 
I'm telling you, you better do it now because before too long, it's going to get colder. Before too long, flu season is going to really get underway. Before too long, and we're already seeing this, there is an increase in corona virus infections in the United States. Right now, it's already beginning to happen. It behooves you. It really does behoove you to vote early and do so now. It may be hot and sunny in California. It may be hot and sunny where you are. But there are a lot of other states where the weather is not so bright and sunny or warm. And the best ways to circumvent all of that is either to vote right now early, if you can, in person, preferably, because I think that's the most important thing, or vote by mail and drop your ballot off at your county board of elections. This is how Operation Landslide begins. We cannot let up on what looks like an historic win. Now, there's still three weeks of voting left. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to play you some audio that suggests that the Republican Party and Donald Trump know that their goose is cooked. Welcome back. There is a danger in being overconfident, and I am not that. I am not that foolish. I have always said to you, ignore the polls. Do not trust the polls. Do not pay attention to the polls. It will drive you crazy. If the candidate that you want to win is up by 15 or 10 or 20 or 7 or even 4, you're excited and you're happy. But if the candidate you want to win is down by 15 or 10 or 7 or even 4, you are absolutely beside yourself. You are beside yourself. And you absolutely are going to tie yourself up in knots. So my recommendation is to ignore polls. They are often inaccurate, or at least they have been. I wouldn't necessarily say often, but I would say that they can be inaccurate. We've seen that from four years ago. And even if they're not inaccurate, you are the poll. Your vote is the thing that counts. These polls don't mean a darn thing. They really don't. I've said this time and time again. These polls are for the benefit of two groups of people. One, the campaigns, because they know or want to know what people are thinking. So it helps them to marshal their efforts in particular states. And of course, they have their own internal polling as well. And if that internal polling is consonant 
with what they are hearing from these pollsters or vice versa. If what the pollsters out there are saying is consonant with their own internal numbers, then they hone and tailor their efforts and do what they have to do. So it's purely for the benefit of the campaigns. The other group of people that's purely for the benefit for is the pollsters themselves. Gets their name out there, gets their whole operation out there. They become more trusted by the public and da 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 da. I mean, that's what that's all about. It is not anything to do with the public. Sure, they may have interviewed people in the public eye, or rather, I mean, voters from the public, I should say. But you cannot rely on that because there are voters out there who lie, right? There are voters out there who say, well, uh, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden when what they really are going to do is vote for Donald Trump. Because when you get into that voting booth, it is just you, your conscience and your vote. And no one else is going to be able to see unless they've got some hidden camera somewhere, which they do not. But no one else is going to see who you vote for unless, like me, you put it on Twitter, (laughs) as I did last week. And I'm not afraid to tell anybody that I voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I am not afraid of it. But I know most people aren't going to engage in that shameless exhibitionism. (laughs) Most people aren't going to do that. But I will say to you that when you get, and you know this, this is not something new that you're just learning. When you get into the voting booth, it is you, your conscience, and your vote. And when those candidates are staring at you, hopefully you're picking between two people and not picking some third party or some blooming write-in situation because that's just a waste of your time. And that is a vote for Donald Trump. But you have two choices. You have Joe Biden and you have Donald Trump. Those are the only two choices you've got. No one else on that ballot in terms of the White House portion of it matters. It's just those two. You have to pick one of them. And these pollsters or these people who answer these pollsters and they say, "Ah, I'm I'm voting for Joe. Ah." And then they get in the booth, some of them, and they go, Donald Trump. And they do it. There was a report on CNN yesterday of these two white women were saying that they voted for Donald Trump. And one of them said that she voted for him. Speaking of people who vote and people have all of these very personal and and really kind of, quite frankly, peculiar reasons why they vote and what motivates their vote. They vote for, I said this to someone the other day, they vote for, well, this person's got nice shoes or, well, she looks really sexy or, well, she... She's got this, she dresses really nicely, or this man is really handsome, or he's got this nice suit. People vote for all kinds of reasons. I'm telling you, a lot of these these votes have nothing to do with issues. It's all, well, not all of it. Some voters vote on cosmetics. And I'm not talking Estee Lauder, I'm not talking Revlon, I'm not talking any of that. I'm talking about appearance. I'm talking about how someone sounds. I'm talking about how someone is dressed. 
whether they're Catholic, whether they're not, whether they're white, whether they're not, whether they're black, whether they're not, whether people vote for a billion freaking reasons. And some of them have nothing to do with policy or issues. If you spoke to some of the voters out there, they wouldn't be able to tell you the first thing about some of the issues that either of these candidates stand for. And I'm sorry, I know it sounds like I'm looking down on somebody, perhaps. It may come across that way to you. Or it may not. But it is very, very clear that there are two choices and people say all kinds of, posit all kinds of reasons why they vote. There are two white women on CNN who were being interviewed by Kate Baldwin yesterday, October 12th. I would include the audio, but... Um, there's other audio that I really want to include that I think is, I think, more pertinent to the conversation here. But I do want to just say this because this is about the mindset of voters, some voters. And this one white woman, because it was the story was about white women in Pennsylvania and in the suburbs and, and you know, why they voted for Trump and now they're not. These were two Democratic white women, Democratic Party members voted Democratic for, you know, most of their lives. And one of them said that they voted for Trump in 2016 because he was a reality TV show star. Because he was a reality TV show star. That's the reason she voted for him. She admitted that on camera. Maybe I should play that. I can't find it at the moment, but look. People vote for all kinds of reasons. She said that she watched The Apprentice and she liked his brand and it was all about his brand and that's why she voted for him. She never mentioned anything about the misogyny. She never said anything about the Access Hollywood tape, although her sister, I think, said, well, you know, Access Hollywood, we should be ashamed of ourselves, but I still voted for him. There are a lot of white women, 53% of whom voted for Donald Trump. Despite the Access Hollywood tape where he's bragging despite, uh, about grabbing women, despite that, there's a lot of misogyny that is placed in this cake. And misogyny isn't only men. There are women who also are misogynist. This is part of a deeply ingrained patriarchal thing. And you do not have to be a man to be a misogynist. And Kate Baldwin did not dig deeper on the aspect of, well, why did you vote for him if he admitted to sexual assault? Why, why did and he said that on that Access Hollywood tape? And, you know, it didn't move the needle with very many people, which shows you how misogynistic this society is. But she admitted, I voted for him because it was his, his brand. I loved his brand. She And surely she knew about Trump University and all those people that got fleeced. Surely she knew about all of the racism of Donald Trump, 50 years plus of it. Not renting to black people in his properties. All kinds of stuff. Putting up that ad about the exonerated five. Those who get the death penalty. Not admitting that he was sorry about putting out that ad when it was very clear these guys never did this crime at all to this 
jogger in Central Park. All the other stuff he had done. All the other stuff. Bankrupted his businesses. Oh, but I loved his brand. That is the mentality of some people. So I say all of that to say this to you. Do not believe these polls. Do not take any notice of, oh, well, all these people are voting. Yeah, that's a good thing. And look, I've championed it here in this episode. But do not allow that to say to yourself, to get you to say to yourself, rather, well, everyone's voting out there and I don't need to. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You need to vote. If you haven't voted yet. Yeah, you do. You need to vote. If you haven't voted yet, do so. Do not allow the groundswell of numbers to somehow do some kind of reverse Jedi mind trick on you. So that you say, oh, no, I'm going to I'm going to wait. Don't wait. Do not wait. Vote now. It is so important. It is imperative. And these polls are a snapshot in time. And I know that polls say, well, it really hasn't changed very much. Yeah, and Joe Biden's lead is, uh, yeah, it's, it's held steady. A lot can happen in 21 voting days. A lot can happen. Sorry to, uh, sound that kind of concern or that kind of warning, but you do not know what is going to happen in these next 21 voting days. You have no idea. I have no idea. And with that said, that means you should leave nothing to chance. That means you must vote now. Listen to this report from Chris Hayes from his show, All In, yesterday, October 12th, on MSNBC. We are still more than three weeks from Election Day, and already more than nine million people have cast their vote in the presidential election. Every day, new states are opening their in-person early voting. And this was a scene in the possible swing state of Georgia today, a state where Republican efforts at voter suppression and mismanagement have led to legendary long lines. Today was no different. Local NBC reporter Andy Perotti spoke to one woman who got in line at 6.20 a.m. and still waited over five hours to vote. I think people are just really ready to vote, and it doesn't matter how long it takes, we will stand in line to vote. So I think that's the most important part. We're voting like our life depends on it. Gwinnett County, which is near Atlanta, is a crucial county this election. It actually posts the wait times for its early voting sites online. This afternoon, the shortest wait time was 90 minutes, while the elections office location had an eight, that's eight hour estimated wait. Now, today was the first day and demand was high. Turnout was bonkers by historical standards. So we will see how this develops over the next few days and weeks. Because even though we are in a pandemic and even though things are undeniably crazy, all signs are pointing to the highest level of voter turnout in modern American history. And right now, if everyone who wants to vote can vote safely, and if the polls are anywhere close to accurate, Donald Trump is losing by a lot. In 538, the national polling gap between Trump and Biden hit its largest margin yet. Trump is now down 10 and a half points. The Republican plan to counter those polls? 
cheat, basically. Uh, that's clearly been the plan for a while, but now they're just coming out and saying it. The Associated Press, uh, listen to this quote. Some Trump allies say their best bet is to hope the elections look close election night before some of the mail-in ballots are counted, allowing Trump to declare victory and have the results thrown to the courts. Results thrown, no, that's not how democracy works. But that is not stopping the Trump campaign from assembling an army of lawyers to try to undermine the entire election. That report by Chris Hayes is a perfect example of why you cannot take this election lightly. You have to participate right now. You have to early vote. Because what I said earlier is that it is clear now that the Republican Party and Donald Trump do not believe that they can win this election unless they cheat. Unless they lie. Unless they do what Donald Trump has been doing for the last four years, in fact, but particularly with intensity this year. Say that the election is rigged. I mean, back in April, Donald Trump was saying that before the blooming election even began. I mean, five months before we had early voting begin in this country, five months before that this year, you got Donald Trump saying, oh, it's going to be rigged. He knows damn well he's going to lose. And I think that the reason why you've seen so many people vote is not just because they are dying to vote. And I don't mean the pun. I don't mean any pun there at all. Is that they are fed up with everything. They're fed up with this virus that's destroying lives and taking over 218,000 people's lives. And Donald Trump has been the one who has taken every one of those lives. They are fed up of it. They don't particularly love wearing masks either, but they do wear them and they wore them in these long lines that I saw yesterday and that you can see. I will post a link to this video. You can see it for yourself if you haven't already seen it. They're fed up of all of it. They're fed up of the lies, the reality TV show that that one voter says she loved four years ago. By the way, she, the woman that I told you about in the previous segment, or earlier in this segment, I should say, she is going to be voting for Biden, and so is her sister, just for the record, in case I didn't mention that, because I don't think I did. People are fed up. They've had it with the lies, the charade, the games, the confusion, the terror, the terrorism, the endorsement of racist, violent groups of these white men, like Nazi thugs. I mean, they've had enough. They've had enough of it. They're fed up of these Republicans in the Senate who allowed this guy to continue his reign of terror in this country. They had a chance on February the 5th, 2020, to convict this guy. These Republican senators had that chance and they were scared. They turned tail and ran. And they said, oh no, Pretty please, sir, he didn't abuse his power. And 52 of these 53, 52 scoundrels. You heard of 47 traitors, these Republicans who in 2015, along with Tom Cotton, wrote a letter 
to the Iranians and said, don't get into any negotiations about arms deals, treaties and peace treaties with with Barack Obama, because there's going to be elections to change that reality. You don't want to do that. Luckily, the Iranians did not pay attention. Well, there were 52 cowards. How about that for an election season hashtag? 52 cowards. That's right. In the Republican U.S. Senate, Republican senators voted to acquit Donald Trump of what was clearly abuse of power with his dealings with Ukraine. And only Mitt Romney, who ironically put out this statement today that I'm not even going to get into. Only Mitt Romney said, no, he abused his power. He stood on principle as a Republican and said, you know what? No, he abused his power. The other 52 Republican senators were cowards. And they, had they voted, had just three more of them, quite frankly, voted with the Democrats, we wouldn't have had 218,000 dead people from coronavirus here in the U.S. Those numbers would have been far lower. I'm pretty darn sure of that, pretty darn confident at least of that. Elections have consequences. And that means we've got to get a Democratic Senate, maintain the House, have a Democratic White House, and make sure that there is Democratic action down ballot on your ballot. Every race, you have to vote Democratic. Every race. Because these Republicans in your local areas aren't doing the job either. They're not doing the job in your state legislature. They're tying it up with all of these measures. They are sending COVID-infected people in the state legislatures, such as in Pennsylvania. I've told you about that on this podcast. A week or two ago, I played you that audio of the Democratic state legislator in Pennsylvania, Brian Sims, who was in these meetings with two Republican COVID-infected Legislators who never said to anybody on the Democratic side that they had coronavirus. The Republicans all knew in that state Senate in Pennsylvania. They all knew. But none of them told the Democrats. That is the evil that you're seeing in this country. That is Donald Trump with coronavirus going all over the place, spreading it to everybody. He has contempt for Trump supporters. He has contempt for everybody. Everybody. He doesn't care about you. Doesn't care about you. The Republicans are doing this in the U.S. Senate as well now. You've got Mike Lee, who's there questioning. uh, Really, he's not even questioning her. He's kind of dancing with her. Amy Coney Barrett. I'll get to that in a few moments. And he's got no mask on. This guy had coronavirus 10, 11, 12 days ago. Oh, his physician says he's free to come back. The guy still has symptoms. Even his physician's letter said that. And he's coming in to Capitol Hill, no mask on, not while he's talking. It's just a travesty. He should be 
socially distanced, physically distanced. He should not be, even if he's physically distanced in that room where this questioning of the Judge Barrett is going on for this Supreme Court confirmation hearing. Senator Mike Lee, the Republican of Utah, should not be even in that room. He should be in his own office, physically distanced away, doing a remote call-in like Senator Kamala Harris did yesterday. She's part of the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's a downright disgrace this hearing's even going on. But all of this is to say that these Republicans have to be voted out of office. They have to be voted out of office. And you know that they know they're going to lose because you heard in that Chris Hayes report the dirty tricks. I played you audio of one example of these dirty tricks in yesterday's episode. I did play that for you. With Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman or whatever the heck his last name is. They were indicted last week or the week before for fraud, for doing all these things, for placing these robocalls in predominantly black neighborhoods, in cities in this country that largely vote Democratic. I wonder why they didn't go to some white areas in the country and place robocalls with them. I wonder why. Do you? I don't think so. I know you don't think so either. This is a standardized steroids operation. Voter suppression on steroids. That is what the Republicans are doing because they've got no policy, they've got no laws, they've got no morals. So now what they're going to do is cheat and commit crimes and scare you and intimidate you. And they want to send 50,000 people to polls armed to watch oh you like to watch do you are you a vote voyeur you love to watch come on now give me a break you got your rifle slung over your shoulder come on folks this is what they do this is what they were doing in the 1960s this is what they're doing today today it's a downright disgrace. You need to vote early. These guys will try anything. They are desperate. And when people are desperate, they do desperate and dangerous things. Be not afraid. Get out there and early vote right now. Welcome back. This is how you defeat voter suppression. By turning out in record numbers to override any kind of voter suppression effort. And that's what we will have to do here. And I think people are responding. Vote so overwhelmingly in your large numbers that all the hosts of voter suppression could never, ever touch you. We will have to continue doing what we are seeing all across this land. In Ohio, in Indiana, in Texas, 
in Pennsylvania, in Virginia, in Georgia, in Illinois. All of these places and more have seen these record long lines. And this is what Operation Landslide is all about. If we vote early and in droves, we will win. I want to play you something from the hearing today, the Supreme Court confirmation hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee for Judge Amy Coney Barrett. The two Amys, actually, in this clip, Senator Amy Klobuchar and the judge, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. I think the American people have to understand that you would be the polar opposite of Justice Ginsburg. She and Justice Scalia were friends, yes, but she never embraced his legal philosophy. Um, so that is what concerns me. And I want to turn to an area that where I think Justice Ginsburg, whose seat we are considering you for, was truly a hero. And that was the area of voting rights. And that was the area of elections. Um, I think that, what did the president say here? He said, September 23rd, 2020, I think this, he means the election, will end up in the Supreme Court. And I think it's very important that we have nine justices. <laughs> I don't think how much clearer we can be. And as I said yesterday, I do not for a minute concede that this election is going to end up in the Supreme Court because people are voting in droves as we speak. But that is what is on the mind of the man who nominated you for this job. Then he said on September 29th of 2020, I think I'm counting on them, he meant the court, to look at the ballots definitely. So. Um, I know you said earlier in uh, questions from Senator Leahy that you are not going to commit to whether or not you are going to recuse yourself uh, for any, any kind of an election case. But I do want to point out uh, that as the president has said these things and as he has nominated you, that people are voting right now. They are voting, as I said, in droves. Um, do you know how many states or people are voting right now, Judge? I think one of my colleagues said it. Earlier. I don't know. It's uh, more than 40 states. People are voting right now as we speak. I think something like 9 million votes have been cast. Do you think it is faithful to our democratic principles to fill a Supreme Court vacancy this close to an election when people are still voting? Senator Klobuchar, I think that is a question for the political branches. Okay. Um, that's, that's your right to answer in that way. There you go. I think that the senator asked a very important few questions there about voting and about whether or not she is going to be deciding, that is Judge Barrett, if she gets on the court whether she is going to be deciding or recusing herself. And of course, she avoids the question. But those quotes from Trump were very telling, weren't they? 
If you heard what she said there, Senator Klobuchar said, as she recounted those two quotes from Trump just last month, just last month, he is bending the apparatus of the state that he has destroyed into his own personal thiefdom. It's really simple. America or Trump. You have to figure out what kind of country do you want? Do you want America or do you want a country called Trump? Because if you want a country called Trump, that's very easy. This is what we have right now. But if you want America, then you vote for Joe Biden. You vote for Kamala Harris and the rest of the Democratic Party all the way down ballot. Of course, Amy Coney Barrett is going to not recuse herself if she gets on the court. Should there be a contested election? And I don't think there's really going to be at this point. Now, look, I don't really, I hesitate to make these predictions. It's the second time I've said this now in terms of the landslide thing. But Operation Landslide is important because I think this has got to happen. And as you heard Senator Amy Klobuchar say, she doesn't herself think there's going to be a contested election. She places some skepticism around that because as you heard in her words, same kind of words I've used. I don't think she listens to this podcast, but she's, I'm sure she's far too busy to do that. And I am, you know, not thinking that she would listen to the politocrat. But I am glad that you are, and I thank you very much for that. But she used the same language that I use and others have used in droves. People are voting in droves. You heard the senator. She just said it. And that is what is happening. That is no theory or conspiracy. You see it with your own eyes. People are voting in droves. And they're doing it in the rain. They're doing it in the sunshine, in the cold. They're doing it. You heard the lady earlier. We are voting as if our lives depended on it. That has been a democratic refrain. People are voting. Texas began voting early in person today. You're going to see more lines like this. This ain't just limited to some states. This is an overwhelming response. And as I said earlier, and I've said this many times before on this podcast, if we vote early and if we vote in droves with the unprecedented turnout that we must have, we will win. But not only will we win, we will have a landslide. I wrote back in March or April of this year on the Politocrat blog, which I will start to revive over these next few days. I wrote this way back in March or April of this year, and I'll put a link to it in the liner notes of this episode. I said that this 2020 presidential election will resemble the 1932 presidential election here in the US. That 1932 election happened amid the Great Republican Depression, the Republican Great Depression with Herbert Hoover, the Republican in the White House, who didn't give a damn about the Depression, didn't do anything about it, didn't care about it. The economy sucked. He didn't lift a finger. He was landslided out of office by FDR. 
Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the Democrat, absolutely pulverized him in that election. And I wrote in this article that you can read in the liner notes of this podcast for this episode. I wrote seven or eight months ago, six or seven months ago, that we would be seeing a landslide win for Joe Biden. And I think it's going to happen. Just don't quote me on that. Why you think that any individual American's health care status is or is not tied to your confirmation to the Supreme Court of the United States? Um, It is not tied to my nomination to the Supreme Court of the United States. I have said repeatedly under oath that I had no conversations with anyone in the White House about that case. And I'm not sure to the extent there's a suggestion that I have an agenda that I want to strike down people's protection for pre-existing conditions. That's just not true. Um, I've never taken that position. And as I've also said repeatedly, any policy preferences that I have don't matter anyway. They're irrelevant. So making that law, coming out with the contours of the ACA, that's your job. Well, that just is true, Judge Barrett. Oh, no, I'm not going to be doing anything to take away uh, pre-existing conditions. That's a bunch of hogwash. That was Judge Amy Coney Barrett today at her Supreme Court confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. This was day two of the hearing, but it was the first day of questions. Yesterday was opening statement, so it was rather perfunctory. You know, you know everyone's going around the committee, giving their statement. And uh, of course, Judge Barrett did as well. And the statement had been released at least 24 hours before. So yesterday was quite frankly, I hate to say it, it was pretty much a nothing day. Although Senator Harris, Kamala Harris, who of course is running for vice president, made a really good statement, as did a couple of other Democrats, about this whole hearing should not even be taking place. It's a grotesque irresponsibility of the the Senate Judiciary Committee chair, Lindsey Graham. Hello, can you guys down there in South Carolina make sure that Jamie Harrison gets in to the Senate so we don't have to deal with this clown Lindsey Graham any longer? I am fed up to the back teeth of Lindsey Graham. The shilling... The sycophantic behavior, the bootlicking, it's an absolute scandal. Bloomin' disgrace. He's got to go. Lindsey Graham has got to go. So please do whatever you can in South Carolina. And believe me, vote Jamie Harrison is what you should be doing. And everybody else, donate to Jamie Harrison. I believe it's jamieharrison.com, but certainly on Twitter, he is at Harrison Jamie. And Jamie spelled J A I M as in Mike E. So Harrison Jamie is the Twitter handle, is all the details. Donate to him. There's his websites there. 
volunteer for him, you know, phone bank. I keep talking about this phone banking. I'll get into phone banking sometime later on in the week because I think I may have talked about it yesterday. The COVID brain is unsure whether he has or not, but (laughs) COVID brain. That's not funny because look, I shouldn't be saying that because there are 218,000 human beings who have died in this country and over a million people globally who have died from this virus. There are nearly 8 million cases alone in the United States. Nearly 8 million cases. And I'm telling you, this death toll is far, far higher than we're being told. You're already hearing studies and people coming out saying, well, it may be 20% higher. I said to you on this podcast months ago that I think we are already at a million to two million people who have died here. I'm telling you, if the virus is this contagious, how on earth are, this is so horrible to say, how on earth is it that 218,000 people have died and not two million? And why is there some kind of investment or why would there be an investment in trying to minimize the number of people who have died in this country or anywhere in the world for that matter? There should never be. There should only be the truth. We'll see and time will tell if I am correct. And on these things, These particular things, I do not like to be right. But what I am right about is that Judge Amy Coney Barrett is not going to recuse herself from any election issues or from anything to do with Obamacare. It is precisely why the Republicans are rushing her through. It is precisely why Moscow Mitch, who got his ass whipped, by the way, last night in a debate with the Democratic challenger, Amy McGrath, a former lieutenant colonel and a fighter pilot. She served her country. She whipped his ass last night. I'm going to play you a bit of audio about that in the next, uh, in the next little uh, break here. Whipped him. It was, it was just pitiful from M- Moscow Mitch. He might have had a better chance if the debate was set in Leningrad. I mean, it was just absolutely disgraceful. He was, I mean, you can call a Senator McGrath right now, can't you? I mean, I hate to be uh, overconfident. I mean, the look, Kentucky, today is your first day of in-person early voting. Make sure that you vote for Amy McGrath for Senate. Kentucky has been in the bottom five or six states or maybe the bottom seven states in the country for health care, for jobs, for the economy, for education. Kentucky's been horrible. And it's because of Mitch McConnell. He has not brought the bacon to your state. Please disabuse yourself of the notion that Moscow Mitch is acting on behalf of you, the Kentucky voter. He is not. He is acting for the fat cats and for the 1% 
That's not just some kind of progressive speak. That's the truth. Those are the facts. He and Elaine Chow, his spouse, have been knee deep in scandal. The kinds of stuff they're doing with businesses, the kind of stuff they're doing with their own businesses. Amy McGrath should easily, I would love to think that she could make it in the Senate in terms of getting to this. She'll be fine as a senator. But you've got to get her there, Kentucky. You've got to watch that debate. I'm going to link to that debate as well. There's going to be a lot of links to this podcast episode in the liner notes, I should say. Because you need to see this debate that was held last night, October 12th, Monday, between Amy McGrath and Moscow Mitch McConnell, who has been in the Senate now forever, standing in front of Confederate battle flags, you know, refusing to allow election law protections, blocking them, blocking all this legislation for two years, forever, blocking Obama's judges, blocking Obama's Supreme Court pick, Merrick Garland. I mean, how many things has Mitch McConnell done for you not to see that he is a bad, bad dude? And I don't mean bad in a good way. I mean bad in the worst way. So Kentucky, come on now, snap to it, please. You good folks down there in Kentucky, the bluegrass state, tell Mitch McConnell, Moscow Mitch, that it's game over for him. Vote Amy McGrath. Please vote Amy McGrath. For Senate, you will see a better day in Kentucky. You know, that's the third Amy I have mentioned on this, on this, uh, on this episode. It's Amy Day. <laughs> You're lucky I haven't mentioned um, Amy Mann yet. You know who Amy Mann is. She's a great musician. Um, brilliant. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of hers. Not a huge fan, but I am a fan of Amy Mann. And her name is spelled differently. Her, her first name is not spelled the way that Senator Klobuchar or Judge Barrett's first name is spelled. Theirs is the common spelling. Amy Mann's first name is spelled A-I-M-E-E. And there's there's at least three three or four ways to spell Amy. So anyway, all of that is to say that uh, this has now officially become, um, you know, an unofficially become the Amy show because I've now mentioned four different people with that first name. There's also an Amy, by the way, and I forget her last name, who did a great song in the 1970s called Knock on Wood. And I forget her last name. It's a shame. I I just had it in my head. Um, But it's now gone. COVID brain. Amy Coney Barrett was put, is going to be put on this court most likely, but you should call Republican senators and remind them, including Moscow Mitch, 202-225-3121, that we will hold you accountable. If you do this, we will hold, in fact, we already are holding you accountable. You will face a reckoning at the ballot box. 
And you are right now. You are willing to lose your seat for this? Are you? Well, step right up and be my guest. Welcome back. The reason why Judge Barrett has been picked by Donald Trump is to overturn Obamacare. That's what I didn't get to that I was trying to get to in that last segment. That is what she has been picked for. That is the first order of business on November 10th of this year, less than a month from now. One week after the end of election season. Exactly one week after. There will be a argument before the Supreme Court. In the case of California versus Texas. And the argument for Texas will be to eradicate the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. The Supreme Court will hear that argument. Whether there are eight justices or whether there are nine. And the chances are, at this point, is that there's probably going to be nine judges, justices, hearing that argument. Amy Coney Barrett has made no secret of the fact that she's not a fan of Obamacare. She's not a fan of Roe v. Wade either. And Obamacare is going to be the first to go. That means between 20 and 30 million people who relied on Obamacare, including a lot of poor white people in these Republican-led states, are going to have their health care stripped from them. There will be no more protections for pre-existing conditions. Donald Trump has made that clear in his own words. Behind your back, he has, for the better part of the last three years, has been trying to actively, better past last four years, has been trying to strip Obamacare completely into oblivion. I mean, he's had lawyers for months and years arguing before these courts in Texas that the ACA, Obamacare, is unconstitutional and it should be completely null and void, struck down. And you think that Judge Barrett is going to recuse herself if she gets on the court? She's rubbing her hands and salivating at the opportunity to deprive up to 30 million people in America of health care. Pre-existing conditions, well, tough. You got a pandemic and you've had COVID-19, well, tough you're no longer going to be protected. And that's what Donald Trump has been all about. And these Republicans want to get rid of Obamacare so bad. The Trump record is four years of hell. And beginning today, I started tweeting a thread, and you can find the the thread on my Twitter page, at the popcorn R-E-E-L. 
I will be adding to it regularly, at least once a day. I'll put it that way. Of every single thing that Donald Trump has done or not done in his tenure in the White House from the very start, January 20th, 2017, to this very day. I've already begun tweeting that out, so you can check that out. I have not pinned it as a pin tweet because, of course, we still have three more weeks of voting. So I am not going to put that up as a pin tweet until maybe the day before the election. The last day of it, I should say. Maybe November 1st or 2nd, I'll do that. So that people can see for themselves all of the things that he has done or not done. I'm not going to talk about what he said in these tweets that I'm doing in this thread. What I'm going to be doing is tweeting everything he has actually done or not done. None of this that you're going to see on this thread is going to be about the stuff he said or the racist that no, or the misogynist. No, I am not going to put those things in. I am going to put what he has done because it's a lot of damage and what he hasn't done. Hint, hint, the coronavirus. I am going to get into all of that, the Trump record by tweet. And I'm going to preview just one of those tweets right now, which is already available at the Popcorn R-E-E-L. But I'm just going to repeat it here, I should say. And that is that within the first hour of him being in the White House, within an hour of his inauguration on January 20th, 2017, which was a Friday, Donald Trump signed an executive order that overturned President Obama's Reduction in mortgage fees for first-time home buyers and low-income home buyers and middle-class home buyers. Donald Trump, within an hour of being sworn in, signed an executive order to overturn, eliminate President Barack Obama's discount on mortgage fees for first-time home buyers. This is something that profoundly affected millions of people, be they first-time home buyers or whether they were low-income or middle-class. That was the pretty much the first thing he did within the first hour of his tenure in the White House. That's what he did. The other thing he also did, among other things, was also to sign an executive order in that first hour, weakening Obamacare in the words of then Chief of Staff Reince Priebus to weaken Minimizing the burden of Obamacare. Pending repeal. Those were his words. Those were the words of then, because he's no longer, he was fired, what, within a year? Reince Priebus, the former head of the RNC. 
I think it was Priebus who said, we need to have a different Republican Party. He wrote that memo in 2013 after Mitt Romney got whipped in the election by President Obama. And he said in this memo for the Republic, we have to branch out. We have to try to bring more people into this party. Yeah, oh well, we see how that worked. Right, Priebus. That's what he said. I saw the video. I could find the video, but I'm not going to bother with it. Trust me, he did say. He's signing an order, quote, minimizing the burden of Obamacare. Oh, well, there's a burden. Oh, we shouldn't have between 20 and 30 million people with health care. We shouldn't have that. Health care that's affordable and not the stuff that drives you crazy. You've got to pay out of pocket so many thousands of dollars. Oh, it's such a burden. Obamacare, it's so burdensome. All this money saving is so burdensome. Of course, to the uh, rich healthcare corporations, the health management corporations, the health profit corporations, it really is a burden for them because they're not getting the money from you. Pending repeal. So look, on the first day of this guy being in the White House, the first hour, he made it clear he wanted to get rid of Obamacare. He said that in his budgets. He said it over and over. And you don't think that Judge Barrett is going to, you don't think she's going to fail to recuse herself? You really think she's going to recuse herself for that California v. Texas case if she gets on the court? Come on now. Why do you think she's been brought onto the court? She has not been brought on the court to be nice. I don't care how many black children she has. I don't care how many black children she's adopted. She's not there to be nice. She's there to do the bidding of the people who have put her there. The person who appointed her. The person who nominated her. She is there to fulfill an agenda. And anyone who has to invoke their own black children in reacting viscerally, really, a white woman has to say, well, you know, I feel this, this uh, pain and I'm so sad and sickened and appalled by what happened to George Floyd because, you know, as you know, I have, I have two black children. Why is it necessary for you Judge Barrett, as a white woman, to mention that you have black children. Why do you mention that when it comes to talking about George Floyd? I would hope that had you not had black children and you'd only had white ones, that you would be able to articulate a feeling of visceral horror and pure condemnation at the atrocity of the execution of that brother, George Floyd. I, I would hope that if a senator on that committee had asked you that in absentia of your black children, and if you hadn't had any adopted, that you would say that you were appalled and outraged and disgusted by this repugnant act, this execution of a young brother, 
named George Floyd by the police. I would hope that you would not have to rely on having black children as the barometer for your response. That does not give you any street cred because you have black children. That should have nothing to do with anything. Any more than the fact that men who, when asked about sexual harassment, utter the stupid words, well, I have a daughter, so. Having a daughter, as you may remember, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying earlier in the year on the floor of the House, does not make you decent. I played her entire 10-minute speech, or however many minutes it was, roughly 10 minutes or so. I played that in an episode months ago on this podcast because there was Teddy Yoho, Yoho, of Florida, who made these very sexist remarks to Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, otherwise known as AOC. And the excuse he gave was pitiful. Oh, and I have daughters and I have a wife and ooh, and I... He never apologized, by the way. But as Senate... Excuse me, maybe she will be Senator soon. I, I wouldn't be shocked. As Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez said in that speech... Having daughters does not make you decent. And I'm fed up of men who say that. Well, I have, I mean, what about if you didn't have any children at all? How would you feel then? I think that's what counts the most. What counts the most is how you feel and how you behave and how you act. And so, Judge Barrett, having black children that you have adopted does not make you any more or any higher somehow or any more credible a body, a person to say how you feel about George Floyd and you really undercut yourself there and it kind of exposes you even as perhaps a racist. Now, I don't think that you are one, but why do you as a white person have to invoke your black children? And we begin with Lieutenant Colonel McGrath. Well, as I said before, um, I think it's an absolute dereliction of duty uh, to not be negotiating and working on this. You know, this, this is the first time uh, in a century, in 100 years, where we have a major international crisis where no one in the world is looking to the United States for leadership. Think about that. It's because we have such poor leaders right now. We can't get this coronavirus under control. And the, the one thing that our Senate is supposed to do is to help people right now. And here's the problem. Senator McConnell built a Senate that is so dysfunctional and so partisan that even in the middle of a national crisis, you can't get it done. Think about that. For that reason alone, he should be voted out of office. We've got to get our democracy back again. We've got to get our democracy working because we have to get through this crisis right now. That was Amy McGrath, 
last night during a portion of the debate, her first debate with Moscow Mitch McConnell, the senator out of Kentucky. That was vintage stuff from Amy McGrath, a lieutenant colonel. She flew missions and she's a fighter pilot, decorated, served her country with great distinction. And she is running against Mitch McConnell. And that was just a priceless bit of audio because that was typical of the entire hour's worth of debate. It went on for 58 minutes. It was a total of 58 minutes. And McGrath was pretty much sounding that way throughout the debate. Really good. I I thought this was excellent by Amy McGrath. And she nails it. There is no leadership with these Republicans and it's completely intentional. Completely intentional. Really good. I hope Kentucky pays attention. I really do. And I hope that on this first day of in-person voting, that the great people of Kentucky really do take note of what Amy McGrath has said. If you watch that debate yesterday, I'll have a link to it. Where you can hear the whole thing. And then Mitch McConnell's response to the part that I just played is him laughing and, well, oh, you know, you can, she can, uh, well, my challenger can be entitled to her own opinion, but she can't be entitled to her own set of facts. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, that is a line that is a talking point that all these Republican candidates are repeating. I heard that with Mike Pence last week when he was uh, debating Senator Harris. And you may have heard Senator Harris say, ah, good line. And I heard John Cornyn, the Republican in Texas, the senator there, saying the very same thing to MJ Hagar, also a military vet. In the Texas Senate debate over the weekend on Friday, I believe it was. Might have been Saturday, but anyway, it was replayed on Saturday. I mean, these folks get together and they have these talking points. And you've got it to the point in which you've got Republicans repeating the exact same talking point line in a debate. It's embarrassing. I mean, really? And it's to three different women. Do you notice Senator Harris got that line from Mike Pence? It's just, you know, you know, Amy McGrath got that line from Mitch McConnell. And yeah, you know, MJ Hagar got that line from John Cornyn. It's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. But what is not hard to believe is that Operation Landslide, I think, right now, is in full effect. People are voting. 10 million people and counting. And no voter suppression is going to get in their way. No fake drop-off boxes, no confusion, lies, robocalls, chicanery, gaslighting, or any other kind of dirty tricks is going to get in the way of the American people. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. Vote early. I'm Omar Moore.
Where we are today, yes, I do. I don't think this is the great again that everyone thought it was going to be. So Holly is voting for Joe Biden, and so is Nin Bell. What drew you to Donald Trump? Why did you vote for Donald Trump, Nin? For his celebrity, 100%. It was the brand? It was. The image? Absolutely. Successful, um, funny. Like, he was funny. I loved his, his show, The Celebrity Apprentice. Never missed it. Was there a moment when you decided, I cannot support him anymore? It was almost instantly. It's not just outside the cities where suburban women are questioning their support for Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. It's even out here in Westmoreland County, rural Pennsylvania, considered Trump country. We're about to meet two of them. She's older. I'm older. (laughs) Oh, you're definitely sisters. (laughs) Joan Smeltzer and Julie Brady are registered Democrats and both voted for Trump in 2016. I feel like I've been duped. I got it wrong and it hurts my heart. I mean, it truly hurts my heart because the things that I saw, I didn't take seriously enough. Throughout the campaign, he was making sexist, misogynistic remarks. And then there was the Access Hollywood tape. How did you guys process and digest that, being out there and voting for him? It was not easy. I look at myself and I think, how could I do that? I feel like I did a disservice to women by voting for this guy. Was there a moment in the last four years when you said, I can't do this again? The COVID pandemic, the way he handled it, that was the absolute last straw for me. He didn't create the virus, but he kind of left us all in the dark guessing what was going on and that wasn't fair to us. Among the women we spoke to, the coronavirus, the president's handling of the pandemic, and the racial unrest following the police killing of George Floyd were the overwhelming driving issues. George Floyd's killing was a pivotal moment for me. When I read that he was begging for his mom, as a mother myself, it just brought me to my knees. And to see what's happened since, I, I feel like he's added fuel to flames of hatred, and that really bothers me. No justice! No peace! Nin Bell, who registered as a Republican in 2016 just to vote for Trump in the primaries, now protests weekly in her town just outside Philadelphia, often met by groups she used to consider herself a part of, Trump supporters setting up counter demonstrations. Um, But I think Trump kind of thrives on that, on that division. I I see it in my own town. Integrity, that's what we're lacking. And accountability. Yeah. Being the mom of a nine-year-old, that's one thing that I I push with my son all the time is, you know, you made a bad decision. Mm -hmm. It's your fault. You learn from it. You move on. We have a president who nothing that happens is ever his fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Well, there are consequences. There are consequences. He's about to find them out. (laughs) Now, the women that we spoke to, of course, don't speak for every woman voter in Pennsylvania. But what they have to say and why, Aaron, shows the uphill battle that Trump is facing right now in this battleground state. The latest polling shows that Trump is trailing Joe Biden by 23 points among women in Pennsylvania. Wow, absolutely stunning. Incredible. All right, Kate, thank you very much.